3: listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio.
4: Radio. Welcome in everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. Mark Willard is out. Aaron Torres in alongside Kyle Rudolph. We are broadcasting live from the TireRec.com studios. Tirerack.com will help you get there an unmatched selection fast free shipping, free road hazard protection and over 10,000 recommended installers tirerack.com the way tire buying should be. As Desager just told you, got ourselves a little bit of a butt-kicking in San Francisco right now. Lions up 21-7 and driving late in the second quarter as we head to halftime. Kyle Rudolph, it's great to join you. And let me say this, I listen to you and Willard every week. Willard's a great guy. I think he might have dodged a bullet not having to work with him today. I don't know how fun he'd be to work (laughs) with right now. How you doing, man?
5: No, this would certainly not be a good night for Mark to be live on air uh it's, we we've talked about this all year um and and you know obviously big 49ers guy uh we kind of said it that when when the Niners were healthy and at their best they'd be tough to beat but we also talked about when Kyle Shanahan gets behind in games and Brock Purdy turns into a drop back passer and he can't just turn around and hand the ball off use play action, things get really difficult for them. And you got to give the Detroit Lions credit the way that they've played this first half. Um, I'd have to imagine all week long meetings last night at the hotel, when Dan Campbell talked about the start that they wanted to come out to on the road in the Bay area, this was it. I mean, just – executing in all phases offense defense special teams uh picking up huge third downs uh it's been really impressive to watch so far so let me ask you a
4: question because obviously look we, we all know the the mantra of the detroit lions you know biting kneecaps all that stuff we all know they're a physical team but listen are the san francisco 49ers not physical as well with you know elite guys at on the defensive line on the offensive line up whatever Are you, not not just with the final, not not just with the score itself, 21-7, again, Detroit with the ball, 33 seconds left in the second quarter as they're trying to get into the end zone again. Are you surprised with the manner in which they are doing this as Detroit does pick up a first down? They are in the red zone, about 28 seconds left. Are you surprised with the manner in which they are doing this to the San Francisco 49ers in a game in which they have rushed for 147 yards seven and a half yards per rush. Are you surprised not just with the score, Kyle, but also just the manner in which Detroit is kind of bullying them up and down the field?
5: You know what I, I think? One thing, Aaron, with the Detroit Lions, you, you said it when, when you were talking about Dan Campbell and the mentality, the physicality, biting kneecaps off, just the way that, the way that he goes about things, the identity that he's instilled in this team. They want to depict the city in which they represent, and and they want that city to be proud of the team that they see on the field. What's not talked about enough about this Detroit Lions team is how incredibly skilled they are. Mm-hmm. Um, Jameer Gibbs. Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, David Montgomery. Like, this isn't the, and I'm not just saying this because the Baltimore Ravens played today, but this isn't the Baltimore Ravens of the last five years where it's Multiple tight ends, extra offensive alignment. We're going to try to run it 45 times a game. Even in the run game, like you, you watch Jameer Gibbs in the run game, and he's so incredibly skilled and explosive and fast. This isn't just this physical, big, beat you up, bite your kneecaps type team. And, again, I, I give them credit the way they've started this game, almost playing a, a perfect first half so far.
4: So I agree with all of that. Uh, again, Detroit is in the red zone, up twenty-one to seven. About seventeen seconds left, third and goal here. So obviously, if they do not get into the red zone, it is third and goal. Uh, they will, pro- you know, I would assume they would kick field goal with Dan Campbell. You never really know. Um, yeah, no, I, I and I think that's an interesting point that you just made. As Jameer Gibbs did have a a big rush earlier. Jamison Williams had a a huge play that set up the 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 first touchdown of the game. Jameer Gibbs actually just caught the ball, uh, and he fell. Otherwise, he had a lane to score again. Uh, it does look like with about 10 seconds left, Detroit will call a timeout and kick a field goal, likely to go up 24-7. Although, again, with Dan Campbell, you never really know. Um, it, it was funny because right before he came on, Jameer Gibbs had that rushing touchdown. That was something that uh, I did put out on Twitter. Is You know you go back to draft night last year, and, and, and people are making fun of Detroit, you know, quote-unquote drafting a running back. And listen, you know, I'm a guy that loves college football, so obviously I paid close attention to what Jameer Gibbs did both at Alabama and at Georgia Tech even before that. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm far from a draft expert or a scheme expert, but it's like uh, this guy is so much more than just a – this isn't, um, you know, Jerome Bettis. This isn't Emmitt Smith. This is a guy that that you can use in so many different ways. Obviously the Lions have, have done it. Uh, they are lining up to kick a field goal. But but I think that's a great point by you, Kyle, is I think we do think Midwest, like, as I said, bite kneecaps, physicality. And and I think it starts from a physicality perspective, but their skill guys between, like you said, I'm on Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, Jam- uh, Jameer Gibbs. It's like they do have some, like, wild, uh, uh you know, uh, players that can make plays. Detroit, by the way, does kick the field goal. They're up 24 to 7. And so maybe, maybe that was unfair of me to kind of pigeonhole them as just physically beating up the the, the, the 49ers because they're getting those guys the ball in space and they're making a lot of guys miss and they're running, frankly, past a lot of people as well.
5: Yeah, and I think what people don't realize is where Dan Campbell came from and a guy that he was around for a long time in New Orleans and Alvin Kamara. Right he was everything for that Saints offense. And he, being on the offensive side of the ball, was in game plan meetings all week, every week, all season long, when Sean Payton was finding 40 ways Mm. to get Alvin Kamara the ball in the run game, in the pass game, in the screen game. And all of a sudden now he's the head coach on another team running another offense. Jameer Gibbs is – that same type of back. He's a guy that you can pitch the ball to in space in the run game. He's a guy that can get downhill. He's a guy that you can throw to in the screen game. He's a guy that you can run out on choice routes and different routes out of the backfield as well. And when you have that type of player, I I give the Detroit Lions a a ton of credit because – you look at their draft and their top four picks. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody laughs at them. Running back at twelve, and then how do you follow up? Running back at twelve, you take an inside linebacker at eighteen. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> well, you know, linebackers don't even really play. You know, it's it's the game's played in space now, and you're taking this downhill linebacker from Iowa. Like, wh- what are you doing? And then they followed up with you know the Sam Laporta pick in the second round. Uh, Brian Branch another phenomenal draft pick you look at their top 4 draft picks and they they had an identity of a football player it didn't they didn't draft based on position of the player and position in the draft they said this is the type of football player that we want they fit our culture this is who we're bringing in and they are going to be great Football players for us right away. And I mean, those four rookies have made a huge difference in this team all year long, and they're showing up today in the NFC Championship game.
4: Well, and I mean, thinking about even the draft before, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson, yes, there was some talk that he could potentially go number one, but what was the conversation where they drafted him? Oh, it's the feel good story. He's the Michigan star staying in Michigan. And, and, you know, there was talk that was the year of, of Thibodeau. Should you go Thibodeau? Should you go in a different direction? Should you take this? Should you, by the way, take a quarterback that year uh, because nobody believed in Jared Goff? And then remember, too, this – people forget this. Jamison Williams was coming off an ACL injury, and they drafted mm-hmm. him at number 12 overall. So it's like it goes back to, to – to I don't know if I even referenced this off the top. I know I was talking to to Bayer kind of in studio between the breaks. But it's like I, I just think, listen – um you know, you, you look at this team, you look at this organization, it's like Brad Holmes. Like, like we don't talk about GMs and front offices enough, but it's like they, they basically haven't missed out a draft pick or certainly a high draft pick basically in two or three years. On top of that, um, you know, the, the Jared Goff story, listen, it's been talked about again and again and again. I do live here in L.A. Um, I'm not a Rams fan, so I don't know that I necessarily have any strong opinions on Jared Goff. But I do think like a lot of other people that it was like, okay, you know, you're trading for him because Matt Stafford doesn't want to be there. You're trying to get out from under the contract. And then, what? again, what was the conversation going into last season was, well, you're just positioning yourself to get Bryce Young. You're just positioning yourself to get another quarterback. It's like you just think about all of the things that the front office saw and the front office and, and Dan Campbell obviously as well. But, like, all of the things that they have done – uh, to put themselves in position, whether it's to, to take a guy in a trade that nobody believed in, take guys that people thought they were drafting too high, that were injured, that were whatever. It's an incredible story as we have officially hit halftime here, Kyle. Lions up 24-7 to in San Francisco. Uh, just a stunning result overall.
5: Yeah, and I mean, you think back to this Lions team last year, and you know certainly the the expectations coming into the season after I think they won three games uh, the year before. Uh, you know, you talked about it that that trade with the Lions and the Rams. You know, Matthew goes to L.A. It's a team with a crazy talented roster they clearly felt like the quarterback was the missing piece. That's why they sent everything that they sent to Detroit to get their guy. They go and win the Super Bowl in year one. And it's almost like Jared was sent to Detroit to kind of be forgotten about and quite honestly just ultimately disappear from from that point forward. And they start last year. I think they started the year one and six or one and seven. And then all of a sudden they they have the terror that they go on on the back half of the year, ultimately winning in Lambeau to keep Green Bay out of the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs either. But you just saw this kind of momentum going into this year. And whether it's Brad Holmes or Dan Campbell, everyone in that organization, they had a plan. They stuck to it they had the kind of players that they wanted to acquire in free agency they had the type of players they wanted to bring in through the draft and now in my opinion you see one of the most complete rosters in the NFL and and all year long you know we Mark and I would talk about Detroit as this team that you know in the NFC everyone talked about Early in the year, it was Philly, San Fran, Dallas. And we kind of put them three above everyone else. And it's like as the year goes on, we start saying, hold on a second. You know, this Detroit team, like they're – look at the last 16 games. If you take the second half of last year and the first half of this year, they 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 lost like three games. They were 13-3 and three or something like that. And, you know, just kept saying, you know, week in and week out. You know, they had a couple of weeks where they stubbed their toe and, and ultimately didn't show up and didn't play well – But it was like you could see that they were building something. They were winning tough games on the road. They were winning tough games at home. Um, And it was like they were starting – you could see that culture starting to build. And it's like they've become one of those scary teams in the playoffs that continue to play better and better each and every week.
4: It's unbelievable. Uh, Detroit is up 24-7. to 7. Last thought on them, because we do want to get to the early game, uh, and we will obviously be keeping you updated. Uh, the other thing, Kyle, which is kind of crazy is, you know, you talk about how good they were playing by the end of the year. Uh, my normal Saturday shift is Saturday 11 p.m. or my normal shift, excuse me, is Saturday 11 p.m. Eastern. So myself and Jason Martin were on air the night that, you know, it's called spade a spade. They should have beaten Dallas in Dallas. Uh, you know, the, 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 the obviously the Uh, you know, misreporting and miss this and miss that as far as the referees are concerned. So, I mean, this was a team that, that, you know, I think a lot of people still think of as, as like this underdog story, but obviously with the way the chips fell, had they beaten Dallas in that game, um, you know, would have been in position to get a number one seed. Maybe we think about it differently. Maybe this game is at Ford field, but uh, safe to say that uh, things worked out just fine for Detroit again. For those of you just joining us Detroit up 24 to 7 on the San Francisco 49ers at halftime 280 yards of total offense for the Detroit Lions 148 yards rushing on 21 rush attempts 7 yards per carry uh you know we can all get a bit hyperbolic in this business but to say it was complete domination in 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 the first half is not hyperbolic
5: no, not at all. And and you talk about that Dallas loss for a second, and you look at Detroit and, and really their schedule since – I talked about it. They stubbed their toe a couple times throughout the course of the year, and one of those was on the road in Baltimore early in the year. And, you know, again, it was – we were still trying to figure out what this new Baltimore Ravens offense was like. Are they for real? You know, Detroit, they've been winning some big games. They burst onto the scene week one with the big win at Kansas City – Trying to figure it out a little bit, 38-6, okay, you know, maybe the Lions aren't quite the class of the NFC just yet, so, you know, let's hold on a second, and if you take away that Dallas game, they ultimately lost two games from that point on, um, you know, I think they would have finished 10-2 and from that, that point forward, and... It's like you're, you're looking at a team, like you said, maybe we're talking about this game at four field and they're the one seed coming off of a bye the first week of the year. So um, I can't wait to watch this second half. Obviously, we'll, we'll touch on a lot of other things from from today's action. But, you know, I, I have a feeling this one's not quite over just yet uh, and we're going to be in for an exciting, close second half.
4: Yeah, I'll tell you what, maybe what we'll do, we'll come back, we'll talk a little bit about if and what San Francisco can potentially do to cut into this lead. Again, San Francisco trailing 24-7 at the half. And we, of course, have to get to the first game of the day, as I'm sure everybody has heard by now. The Kansas City Chiefs headed to yet another Super Bowl after a 17-10 win in Baltimore. We'll discuss all that next. Kyle Rudolph alongside Aaron Torres, who's in for Mark Willard. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres filling in for Mark Willer alongside Kyle Rudolph. We'll get to Chiefs-Ravens in a second, but I'll tell you this. It's about to be a cruel winter for uh, the San Francisco 49ers if they don't get things figured out here. They trail the Detroit Lions 24-7 to at the half. Uh, complete domination from Detroit in the first half, second half about to kick off. Kyle, let me ask you a question since you're much smarter than me, um, certainly as it pertains to football and strategy. Besides the obvious, don't give up seven yards per carry. Uh, What what does San Francisco have to do to get back in this game and make it competitive?
5: Well, they get the ball here to start the second half. And, you know, although it seems like 24-7 points are at a premium, you know, Need to start dropping back, throwing the ball, making explosive plays. It's not the case yet for San Francisco. They need to stick to what they do well, running the football with Christian McCaffrey, get Debo involved a little bit more, whether it be in the run game or the screen game. Um, You know, take this one play at a time. There's still plenty of time left. Um, George Kittle, we've got one target in the first half. Uh, George Kittle is a huge part of this offense. Uh, Would love to see them once they start running the football with Christian McCaffrey, finding George Kittle in the play-action game. They go down the field here and score a touchdown. It's 24-14. They're right back in this, and they can stick to what they do well. If they don't go down and Detroit can get a stop here – It will be huge for Detroit to be able to force San Francisco to do what they do not want to do, and that's making this a drop-back pass game with Brock Purdy under center, uh, not allowing him to do the things he's done well all year.
4: Brock Purdy did just hit Debo Samuel across the middle for a big gainer. They have crossed the 50 here early in the second half. I assume, as somebody who's been in a lot of these halftime locker rooms, that, that was probably not only Kyle Shanahan's message, but also Dan Campbell's message as well. Like, th- this comes down to that first drive. We have to set the tone and keep the intensity going.
5: Yeah, it's, it's huge for Detroit. You know, San Francisco's doing exactly what they said they had to do. The first play's an explosive run to Christian. Then then they hit Debo on the play action, um, you know, getting the ball to Debo here again in the screen game for a nine-yard gain. So they're doing exactly what they have to do. And, and for Detroit, it's like you have an opportunity here. You know, you can come out and get them a stop, and you have the ball up 24-7. Again, it it, it the longer – the clock goes into the second half and they have this multiple possession lead, the, the 49ers, you can go back and look at Kyle Shanahan's record when he's down multiple scores late in the second half. It, it is not very good because that's not the style at which they want to operate. So definitely huge for Detroit. They they need to bow up here and, and hold them to, to a field goal attempt and keep them out of the end zone on this drive.
4: Second and one, Shanahan does get cute. A uh, kind of like a reverse pitch to Debo gets gets uh, he tackled about five six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, we'll keep you updated on this one again. Detroit up twenty four to seven here. Uh, early 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 third quarter. The second half has just started. Let's go to the the, the first game, Kyle, and, and I'm gonna kind of kind of do a, a choose your own adventure thing here because K- Kansas City does win seventeen to ten. I know that I have a lot of takeaways both from the Kansas City perspective and Baltimore perspective. But if I said Kansas City, Baltimore, Kansas City wins and, you know, you and your buddies are going out to grab a beer after this after this this show that you're doing with me here. What is the biggest takeaway from your perspective about that game outside of the obvious of, oh, my goodness, another Super Bowl for Mahomes, another Super Bowl for the Chiefs? Like, what is your biggest takeaway from from either team coming out of that game?
5: The the Kansas City Chiefs are perennial Super Bowl. You know, it's four out of five years that they've been in the Super Bowl. Um, In order to knock them off, you can't beat yourself and beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what happened, in my opinion today, to that Baltimore Ravens team. Kansas City did exactly what they had to do going in there. You know, Pacheco's efficient in the run game, 24 carries, almost 70 yards, you know, Mahomes made some unbelievable off schedule plays. Travis Kelsey did what Travis Kelsey does, um, you know, becoming one of the, if not the greatest postseason receivers of all time, passing Jerry Rice's record. You know, eleven catches, one hundred sixteen yards, and a touchdown. We were texting about it before the show. Like, how does that happen? How does Travis? How does Travis Kelsey get open? So I, I have a few thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, it's like you, you can't beat yourself and beat the Kansas city chiefs until someone knocks off the Kansas city chiefs. It's like they will reign supreme in the AFC and you're certainly not going to do it by beating yourself while you're trying to beat them.
4: Well, and you know, you go back to the early part of this Mahomes run. I mean, who was the guy that had success besides obviously Joe Burrow in recent years, but it was Tom Brady, and that's the, the quintessential guy that uh doesn't make mistakes, doesn't beat himself, both with uh the New England Patriots and with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'll tell you what, Kyle, wanna continue this conversation, wanna continue the conversation on the first game this afternoon. Kansas City headed to another Super Bowl. We will do that next before before but for the first time this evening, Steve DeSager. What's trending?
6: Hello, gentlemen. It's early third quarter at San Francisco. Lions are leading the Niners 24-7 in the NFC Championship game. San Francisco, on the opening drive of the second half, is driven down to the Detroit 25, but then Brock Purdy threw a couple of incompletions. Jake Moody's lining up for a field goal to make it 24-10. What a start for the road team in this game. Lions got the ball first, and in four plays, they drove 75 yards for the TD and the 7-0 lead. Jake Moody missed a field goal first half, opening drive for the San Francisco offense. And then Detroit came back with another touchdown drive and a 14-0 lead in the first quarter. It is now 24-10. to Moody has connected on a 43-yard field goal. The only other score for San Francisco in this game, Christian McCaffrey's two-yard touchdown run. But Detroit is outrushing San Francisco in this game, 148-45. to In fact, Detroit in the first half averaged 6.5 yards per play. Total yardage is about 280 to 180 right now. Nearly 2 to 1 advantage in first downs. 24 10 for the visiting Lions in the NFC Championship game. As for the earlier contest, the AFC title tilts. Kansas City won it again, beating the Ravens at top seeded Baltimore, 17 to 10. It was a 17 7 lead at the half. Lamar Jackson, one touchdown pass, one interception, one fumble. He was sacked four times, Jackson with eight carries, 54 yards. Travis Kelsey was targeted 11 times and had 11 catches, 116 yards, and a score and uh, the Chiefs did not have their all-pro guard. Joe Tooney did not play, and he's considered a long shot for the Super Bowl with that pectoral injury. Kansas City linebacker Willie Gay was inactive with a neck injury. In the NBA, Detroit got a rare win, beating Oklahoma City 120-104. to Pistons' record now 6-40. and Indiana defeated Memphis 116-110. to Also in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns are in action right now against the Orlando Magic. That game is under two minutes to go, and Orlando. Orlando has taken a 110-96 lead despite 44 points from Devin Booker. Earlier in college hoops, UAB at home beat 19th-ranked Memphis 97-88. Memphis Tigers now 4-3 in the American Conference. NHL St. Louis in overtime beat the Kings 4-3. Guys, it's 24-10. Detroit leading at San Francisco early third quarter of the NFC Championship game. You mentioned that the Niners don't have a lot of those comeback wins. In fact, the last two seasons when the Niners are down 14 or more at any point in the game, they have yet to win the last two years in that situation, 0-5. And And I didn't mention the name Aminrah St. Brown, but again, he showed himself to be an All-Pro in the first half for Detroit. Five catches, 73 yards, all five catches went for first downs. Four of the five were on third downs. He converted a third and seven, a third and nine, third and 10, and a third and 18 at San Francisco. Back to you.
4: Thank you very much, Steve DeSager, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. Uh, Mark Willard is out. Aaron Torres in alongside Kyle Rudolph. Let's get back to the first game, Kyle, really quick. We are in a commercial break here. Detroit up 24 to 10. We'll keep you updated there. Um, I want to ask you, so, so like, I don't think this is the sexiest topic of conversation when it comes to, to KC Baltimore, but I, I think it's an important one. Um, besides the Baltimore miscues, which we'll get into throughout the show, because I, I think it speaks for itself. To me, the story of this playoffs, and listen, I get it. It's Mahomes. He's a legend. He's uh, you know doing stuff at this point in his career that's never been done. Like I get all that. But when I watched the Chiefs the last two weeks, gave up Last week, zero points in the second half to the Buffalo Bills. Gave up three points today in the second half to the Baltimore Ravens, uh, and that was late in the game. Basically, uh, three points really the last three quarters of the game. I think, to me, the story of this team, it's not to say, like, oh, Mahomes is overrated or anything, but, like, I don't feel like people talk enough about this defense because it just feels like you're going up against two elite guys, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, back-to-back weeks, In the second half, you give up a combined three points. To me, that reason more than any is why they're headed to the Super Bowl two weeks from now in Las Vegas.
5: 100% Aaron, and kind of all year long when everyone wanted to talk about this Kansas City Chiefs team and what's wrong with the offense. Everyone wanted to talk about the lack of explosive playmaking ability from the wide receiver room the drops from the wide receiver room, the penalties in the wide receiver room. And really what was happening was this Kansas City Chiefs t- defense was just buying them time to figure it out. And I just kept saying week after week, you know, it's it's something that we talked about all year last year as well. As soon as Tyreek Hill was gone, how is this Kansas City offense going to re- replace that it, explosive playmaking ability that you no longer have. Then this year, same thing. They don't have anyone on the outside to take the pressure off Travis Kelsey. Not once did we talk about the identity of this 2023 Kansas City Chiefs football team being that they have one of the best defenses in football. And what that Steve Spagnuolo-led defense allowed to happen over the course of the last two and a half months or so, is for this Kansas City Chiefs offense to find their identity and to figure out that, okay, look, maybe over the last few years we could be cute and have these funny huddles and formations and trick plays because, quite honestly, if it doesn't work, who cares? We score points at such an explosive rate that we'll make up for it. And and, and if we're down in, in the second half, it doesn't matter. Regular season playoffs – We have Patrick Mahomes, we have this high-powered offense, we'll figure it out, we'll score enough points, and ultimately we'll move on. Well, late in the year, you saw them make some of those mistakes, and they couldn't overcome that from an offensive standpoint. So what I saw today from the Kansas City Chiefs is they finally realized over the last two weeks This is how we have to be on offense. We're now going to complement this defense that's playing at such a high level. And it's just – it was brilliant from Patrick Mahomes today, 30 of 39. You know, if people would have said, you know, Patrick Mahomes, AFC Championship (laughs) stat line, he throws for 241 and a touchdown, you're going to be like, they lose the game. Like, that's not how the Kansas City Chiefs win. See, I thought
4: you were going to go opposite there and say, if you told me he went 30 for 39, you'd be like, oh, offense is fixed. They put up 45. They're going to Vegas. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, no, and it's like you, you look at it. He did exactly what he had to do. Starts the game, I think it was 11 for 11, taking completions. It's, it's It wasn't the home runs that we were accustomed to seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs offense over the last few years. I mentioned Pacheco before and his, you know, efficient run of the football, having almost 70 yards rushing and a touchdown, and he just gives them that physicality and, and power run game that, you know, Quite honestly, that's not what we're used to seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs. We're used to seeing sideline to sideline speed. Usually, Mahomes is the one scrambling to run the football. So again, you've got to give this Kansas City Chiefs defense credit. Certainly, what they did the last two weeks, locking down Baltimore, or excuse me, locking down Buffalo after they ran the football all over him in the first half last week, and then coming out today and holding this high-powered Baltimore offense to only 10 points, three of which came in the fourth quarter.
4: Three of which came in the fourth quarter. Kansas City beats Baltimore 17-10 to to advance to another Super Bowl, the fourth and fifth years. I believe the stat is they're only the third team ever to go ahead and do that, so an incredible win, an incredible run. Uh, And we're just getting started here. Aaron Torres and Kyle Rudolph in. I'm obviously myself. Aaron Torres in for Mark Willard. Also keeping you updated on the late game, the NFC Championship game in San Francisco. The Detroit Lions up 24 to 10, 740 left in the third quarter. It does look like, though, Detroit potentially held to a field goal after San Francisco gets a field goal. We'll see what happens here. Tell you what, Kyle, we'll come back. I have one more thought on the Kansas City side of things and a narrative that needs to be put to bed forever. We'll discuss that as well as keep you updated on the late game in San Francisco. Aaron Torres, Kyle Rudolph, busy
3: Sunday night, Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts,
1: if you dare.
4: Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Era Torres in for Mark Willard alongside Kyle Rudolph. Kyle, we've got ourselves a situation out in San Francisco. San Francisco trailing 24-10. Brock Purdy throws a deep ball. There's a dust-up between Brandon Ayuk and, I believe, C.J. uh, Johnson-Gardner. And I bring it up because they were going – they did call a defensive P.I. at the end of the play, but it got tipped in the air. Brandon Ayuk caught it on about the five- or six-yard line. San Francisco in the red zone trailing 24-10, five minutes left. We got ourselves a little situation here. It's going to be third and goal to go as San Francisco tries to get into the end zone again.
5: Unbelievable body control by Brandon Ayuk to not just give up on the play. Like, you know, most receivers, you know, you have the DPI. You feel the contact. You know, you can't get to the football. It's very easy to just give up on the ball at that point. It's a spot foul. Uh, the ball will go right there. And for him to. Not only play through the contact, but to track down the tip ball. You made a it looked like a like touchdown. That. It looked like a touchdown at first, and then ultimately they showed the replay, slow it down, and you know there was contact made. And this would be a huge stop from Detroit.
4: Well, any Detroit fan listening, I, I hate to ruin the moment. It was not a stop as Brock Purdy finds Brandon Ayuk in the back of the end zone. 24 to 16 extra point pending. We got ourselves a football game in San Francisco. For people just joining us, Detroit was up 24 to 7 at the half. Uh San Francisco comes out and kicks a field goal on the opening drive. And again, a defensive pass interference, tipped pass, caught by Brandon Ayuk on about the six, seven-yard line. They have now got it into the end zone, and the extra point is good. So we got ourselves a ball game here, twenty-four to seventeen, Kyle. Um, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, you know this. Uh, listen, you know this is these are all these guys are all professionals. Um, you know, stuff changes really quick. But you know, you talk about a game that was seemingly over about probably twenty minutes ago in real time, Kyle. Now it's a one possession game. Obviously, Detroit will get the ball back. Five seventeen left in the third quarter. That thing flipped quickly, my man. That thing quick, flipply, That thing quick, flipped quickly, for sure. So,
5: no doubt about it. And exactly what we talked about in terms of San Francisco and how you know they have to start this second half. Uh, they go down and get the field goal first. Then Detroit. We talked about Dan Campbell, his aggressive nature on the fringe of field goal range. Probably could have went for the field goal and said they go for it on fourth and short. You know, the ball delivered a little bit off target, but very catchable for Josh Reynolds. And, you know, that that fourth down could be the turning point in the game. You know, if he catches that, you know, you're definitely in field goal range with a chance to go up twenty-seven to ten. Now ultimately you're looking at a ten point swing whereas you turn the ball over on downs, the 40 ers hit the explosive play in the past game. And we got a ball game. You know, we we heard it there uh, over the break. The 49ers have not won a game the last two years down 14 points. But turning the ball over on downs and giving up explosive plays like that is is a recipe for a disaster for this Detroit Lions if they want to protect this lead.
4: Really quickly, I want to go back to the early game as uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are headed to another Super Bowl. Um, first of all, can you just put in perspective? I mean, besides, like, like, we all sit there – and say, like, oh, you know, it's incredible, four Super Bowls, five years, like, you know, six straight AFC Championship games. But I think the thing to me that I hear from guys like you that are former players is, like, the wear and tear that comes with a deep playoff run, a Super Bowl run. It's why so often it's so hard for a team to get back there. We hear about the Super Bowl curse, you know, injuries, and then obviously attrition. As you said earlier in the show, you lose a guy like Tyreek Hill. Is there any way for you to contextualize, like, what – for them to keep doing it over and over. And I know, again, this year's different. As we just talked about, it's a little bit more of a, a, a of a defensive type of team, a run game type team. It isn't the vertical passing game that we've seen in the past, but like it just, it, it is still stunning to think about six straight AFC championship games, now a four Super Bowl in five seasons.
5: You know, I, I never thought we would see a dominant run like we saw for the New England Patriots, you know, from 2000. Ten to 2019 I think you know they went to 10 straight AFC championship games it was like every year they were in the AFC championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl and honestly when 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 Tom left New England and moved on um, you know I never thought we would see a dominant organization like that again because it is so hard the league is set up for parity they they want teams to have competitive balance from 1 to 32 and and things are set up to prevent organizations from going to six straight afc championship games and one thing that people don't realize so 2018 Patrick Mahomes becomes the starter full time you know his rookie year he started one meaningless game at the end of the year when they already had their seed locked in 2018, he becomes the full-time starter. And that year, Tom Brady threw a pick on third and 10. The game was over and D Ford lined up offsides. They should. That's right. If it's up for pa- if it's up to Patrick Mahomes, as a starter, he would be five out of six going to Super Bowls, not just going to six straight AFC Championship games. So if D4 just lines up on sides on that third and ten with about a minute to go in the fourth quarter, the game's over. Kansas City's going to play the Rams in that Super Bowl, and we know how that game played out. It was so low scoring. It's just it's crazy to think back to that AFC Championship game, his first year as a starter, and the run itself is impressive enough going four out of five years, but when you think back to that game in 2018 and how it ended, ultimately New England goes down and scores, they get the ball to start overtime, and they score, and they go walk-off win at Arrowhead, so what they've done in Kansas City the last six years is incredible, and I thought we would never see it again.
4: I'll tell you what, uh, Kyle, we have a developing situation in San Francisco here. As you were talking, as you were answering that question a Jameer Gibbs fumble deep in Detroit's own territory was recovered by San Francisco. So for people just joining us, San Francisco trail 24 to 10 at halftime. Kick a field goal on the opening drive, a, a defensive pass interference, tipped pass to Brandon Ayuk sets up another touchdown. Now a fumble right outside of the red zone, deep in Detroit's own territory, has given San Francisco the ball trailing 24-17 to as they are looking to tie the game. Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy does run for a first down deep into the red zone. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Just when you thought this one was done. Just when you thought, oh boy. Ooh. I... It, uh, don't don't call or text a Detroit Lions fan if you have one in your life right now because uh, this is getting interesting, Kyle. This is certainly getting interesting.
5: No, and they're they're doing exactly what they said we said they couldn't do to start the second half. You know, we talked about Dan Campbell in the locker room, probably talking about come out, get a stop, uh, offense clean football we can't turn it over and there we go we got a turnover on downs and then the turnover in their own side of the field There, uh not good for detroit here to start the second half
4: not good for detroit uh detroit uh excuse me san francisco now on the one yard line we'll tell you what happens detroit up 24 to 17 san francisco driving Hour two next air tour is in for mark willer kyle Rudolph, fox sports radio
3: you're listening to fox sports radio, radio.
4: Welcome in, everybody, Hour 2, Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. Mark Willard out, Aaron Torres in alongside Kyle Rudolph. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. As DeSager just told you, We got ourselves a ball game in San Francisco while we were away. A short Christian McCaffrey touchdown run has tied the NFC Championship game up. For people who are just joining us, if you somehow have not heard any of this game, Detroit was up 24-7 at the half. San Francisco opening uh, field goal on the opening drive. From there, a Brandon Ayuk touchdown reception after a long-tipped pass play that was caught by Brandon Ayuk on what was a defensive pass interference. And then, as DeSager just told you, a Jameer Gibbs fumble sets up the latest touchdown. We got ourselves a tie ball game, Kyle Rudolph. My, oh yep. my, how quickly things could change.
5: No doubt. Momentum's a crazy thing in sports, too. And, you know, you just see the way things are going for Detroit right now. They couldn't do anything wrong in the first half on offense, just executing flawlessly. In the run game, in the pass game, working the middle of the field in the pass game, which is not easy to do against the San Francisco 49ers defense. And then, really, since that fourth and short, they just have not been able to execute. Obviously, you have the drop on fourth and short, then you have the fumble, then they just had another drop. Um, you know, Sam Laporta contested catch across the middle, Josh Reynolds with another drop on third and 10. And here we are, the 49ers, with all the momentum in the world. And, you know, for Detroit, they just can't seem to do anything right on offense or defense. You know, trying to get that first stop of the second half, um, you know, just to slow the momentum down and potentially get your offense the ball back at 24-24. Let everybody on that sideline take a deep breath and get back to doing what you did so well in the first half.
4: I know it's tough to talk to 53 guys at once, but if you're Dan Campbell, what are you telling your guys on both sides of the ball frankly right now?
5: Well, I mean this we we talked about the mentality. Um, you know, this this is a game that a situation that Dan Campbell he's been brought there for. And and I feel like over the last 3 seasons this is the type of adversity that that gritty Detroit Lions almost want. You know, they they don't want to go to the Super Bowl easy. Certainly I'm sure they didn't see, want to give up. So? Se- I was I'm, say, yeah. I'm sure <laughs> I'm they didn't want to just give up seventeen straight points to start the third quarter, but it's like it almost makes you think, okay, is this Detroit Lions team almost comfortable when you know it's gotta be nitty gritty grinded out late in the fourth quarter? you know, we'll see, you know, it's, it's hard when, when you come out and play as well as they did early and you have all the momentum and then for it to just completely swing the other way and lose all of it. It's, it's tough to, to like you said, talk to all 53 guys that are out there playing and ultimately get them to, again, calm down, take a deep breath. Yes. It feels like this guy's falling and we're down 17 points. But ultimately, it's a tie game late in the third quarter. Let's go out and execute the plan and get back to the recipe for success that we had the first two quarters.
4: We'll keep you updated on this one. 24-24, about a minute to go. Tie game, third quarter, NFC Championship game. Really quickly, I never really paid off the tease in hour number one about the Kansas City-Baltimore game. And I said, before we went to break, I said, there's a narrative that we have to put to bed forever, and and I do think, well, until further notice, anyway, I I, I do think it, it's so interesting to me is that we keep trying to create uh, uh, rivals, if you will, for Patrick Mahomes. I I think this to me is so interesting. Every year, it's Josh Allen, this; it's Lamar Jackson, that. And it's not to say they're not great players, great individuals. Um, you know, have their great moments, but. I guess you know technically Joe Burrow did beat him in an in an AFC Championship game, but I just think it's time that we just I know that we want to create narratives and we want to be interesting and we want to have our own unique individual. T- this guy is doing stuff as we just talked about an hour ago or or in the last hour, Kyle. That that I don't want to say we've never seen because you know Brady to to some extent did some some stuff pretty similar, but. He's doing stuff that nobody else currently in the sport is. And I think we're all just so guilty of saying, okay, well, where does he met? You know, what about J- Josh Allen? Is this his time? Is this Lamar's time? Is this that? Is it?" And it's just like every single time he rises to the occasion. Jalen Hurts last year. Um, I love the NFL. I love watching it. Um, I love Josh Allen. I love Lamar Jackson. But it's like Patrick Mahomes, I think, again today with another trip to the Super Bowl. For people just joining us, KC won 17 to 10. I think this guy just proved once again he is just in a complete class of his own. It is unbelievable to see them go to another uh Super Bowl
5: he is and in order to have a rivalry there has to be competition yep. someone has to beat him and I said it before you know in order to take down the Kansas City chiefs um, you know you can't beat the Kansas City chiefs and beat yourself and you know when when I look at the AFC quarterbacks that we want to put in this Patrick Mahomes class, that, you know, it's us in the media. We, we want that rivalry because it's good for sports. And quite honestly, we see it in the regular season. Buffaloes, I believe, won the last three against Patrick Mahomes in the regular season. But we have yet to see anyone outside of Joe Burrow in the AFC championship game take down Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and you know again in order for us to start putting joe burrow josh allen lamar jackson who knows ultimately it might be aaron Rodgers next year one of those guys in the afc are going to have to take him down in january in order for there to be the beginning of a rivalry because as you said right now he is just in a league of his own in terms of quarterbacks in the afc
4: can I? I want to ask you a random question. Um, it's just it's it's a little bit out of left field, but it's something I was thinking about watching that game. Does today's result make you feel any different about Josh Allen and the Bills? And let me explain why. Because I I was one of those guys. Now now I I, I thought the Ravens were going to win today. I did pick the Chiefs last week, and not that anyone cares about my opinions, but I bring it up because when the Bills did what they did when they couldn't move the ball in the second half last week. Obviously, there's the missed field goal. There's a misspass late from Josh Allen. I don't really blame the loss on Josh Allen, whatever. But I just sat there and said, if you're the Buffalo Bills, this is unacceptable. You've been telling us for years you can't get over the hump. I said, listen, I'm not Mr. Fire Everybody, but I was like, Sean McDermott, how many times can we keep running this back over and over and over and over and expecting different results? That's a definition of insanity. I bring it up because to see... Kansas City essentially um, essentially uh, uh, execute the exact same game plan today that they did against Buffalo, against a better team, I think of certainly a more balanced team when you look at the Baltimore Ravens, the defense that they have, the skill position guys that they have. I, I think we could all agree Baltimore was a better team this year. It does kind of make me reevaluate how I felt about the Bills a week ago because I sit there and say, well, wait a second now. Uh, the Chiefs just did the exact same thing. Mahomes was great. Kelsey was great. The defense, as we discussed in hour one, was great. And it does kind of, like, make me reevaluate how I feel about the Bills. Am I crazy to think that, Kyle?
5: Not at all. Um, You know, I I think, again, we just kind of want to assume when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, it's, you know, superiority to, to everybody else, and it's because of Patrick Mahomes. I think of when you look at the completeness of this team over the last two weeks and what they did, you know, I wouldn't say that Buffalo is more talented than the Kansas city chiefs, particularly as the year went on, all the injuries that they had on the defensive side of the ball, but Baltimore was f- for sure the superior team in terms of talent on both sides of the ball and what they were able to do, you know, methodically across offense, defense, and special teams to both of those two teams. Um, You know, I, I, you got to give Buffalo credit the way that they ran the football against that Kansas city chiefs team in the first half last week. It's something that Baltimore wasn't able to do at all today. And, you know, Baltimore is a team that historically runs the ball on everyone. So I do think you know you got to give the Kansas City Chiefs as a whole a ton of credit for the way that they're playing right now, the, the, the experience that they have in the playoffs, and just knowing what it takes to win games to ultimately get back to a fourth Super Bowl in five years. It's, it's really incredible.
4: It is incredible. The Detroit Lions and San Francisco 49ers keeping the update on the late game. We are into the fourth quarter it is still tied 24-24. Real quickly before we get to break, I do want to talk about the Ravens side of things momentarily. But, but one last question on the Chiefs. And it is something I texted you. How the heck does Travis Kelsey always get wide open? He for people who didn't see the game, he 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 did break Jerry Rice's all-time receptions record in the playoffs. And, you know, one thing I always like to say is I'm not a scheme guy, I'm not a scheme expert. It was, like, unbelievable, though. It's like, okay, uh, obviously we know, know Kadarius Tony. We know uh, some of the other receivers are limited. And it's like every play they throw to him, and he's pretty much wide open on every single play. Uh, what is Andy Reid cooking up uh, behind the scenes that, that nobody has any answer for? Because it was unbelievable to see Travis Kelsey continually get the ball time after time after time.
5: Well, I think there's there's one thing that people may not or have not pointed out. Um the importance of that offensive line and the health of that offensive line, getting Donovan Smith back on the left side who missed, I think the last three games or four games of the regular season with a neck injury. So here, here's the deal with Travis. Travis is one of the most intelligent football players in terms of understanding leverage, understanding zone coverage, understanding where other defenders are going to be, not just the guy that's covering him, and what that allows him to do. Him and Patrick are always on on the same page. They've obviously played together for the last six years. No one is better at off-the-schedule plays than the two of them together. But what Travis does in terms of, you know, ad-libbing during plays. You know, it might be a corner out, but guess what? When he gets up to 10 to 12 yards and he's supposed to break to the corner, if there's a giant hole there and a soft spot in the zone, he's going to shut it down, and and Patrick knows that he's going to shut it down, and they're always in sync. What they were not able to do the last few weeks of the year, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs offense down the stretch, Patrick didn't have time in the pocket to allow Travis – to do what he does best, and that's process defenses, understand coverage, and find his way to those wide open areas that we're now seeing the last two weeks. So I think for for that, first and foremost, it, it starts up front with Donovan Smith and the rest of those guys giving Patrick the time to not only allow him to, you know, have a clean pocket, take the drop when necessary, but then also – be able to to scramble and when he has the ability to scramble with his eyes downfield he's always looking for one guy and it's number 87 because of the trust that they have with one another and i think that's the second piece of it is the trust you look at the touchdown that he threw to Travis with Kyle Hamilton on him you know Kyle Hamilton's right there that's an all pro safety in pretty good position and yet Patrick doesn't think twice. He throws the ball where only Travis can make a play on it, and it's a huge touchdown in the game. One that I don't know if many other quarterbacks would throw to their tight end in, in that situation when you have an all-pro safety covering him step for step down the sideline. So I think those are a few things that go into it. Uh, it's it's a ton of fun to watch as a from a tight end perspective, seeing the different things that Trav does against coverage, And, again, I don't understand. If if you're Baltimore and you go into that game, you have a guy like Kyle Hamilton. I don't care what the other ten guys are playing. They can play man. They can play zone. I am making Travis Kelsey's life miserable Mm. for 60 minutes. He's going to get hit by a defensive end coming off the line of scrimmage. He's going to have almost a spy in Kyle Hamilton. 24-7, 24-7, 365, when Travis goes to the bench, I want Kyle Hamilton walking to the bench with him. Like, just follow him to the sideline. You're not allowed to do anything. It's almost the old box and one back in the day in, sure. in, in elementary school basketball when it's like they have one player that can score, you guard him the whole game. You've got to take Patrick Mahomes' top weapon away in the playoffs. Make some of those other guys that aren't established – beat you in these clutch situations. And uh, we've yet to see it through two games in the playoffs.
4: Well, we will, uh, you know, first of all, that was a great breakdown. I appreciate you doing that because, um, yeah, I'm just casual and I'm watching and it's unbelievable uh, to just see it time and time again. And I know there's there's obviously something that that he's doing beyond just him and Mahomes always being in sync. Uh, but Pat, uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, again, broke Jerry Rice's all-time postseason receptions record today as Kansas City gets the win. Speaking of of wins and speaking of the other game, the San Francisco 49ers for the first time today just took the lead. A 33-yard Jake Moody field goal for the 49ers has put them up 27-24, 9.52 to go in the fourth quarter. For people just joining us, Detroit was up 24-7 at the half 17 points from San Francisco in the third quarter. A field goal gives them a three-point lead. When we come back, we'll keep you updated. Final few minutes on this NFC Championship game, and we, of course, have to talk about the Baltimore-KC game from the Baltimore perspective. How much blame falls on the future MVP, Lamar Jackson? That's next, Fox Sports Radio.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
2: back
4: everybody fox sports radio Eric torres in for mark willard alongside kyle rudolph did you know discover wants everyone to feel special that's why with your discover card you have access to 24 7 customer service as well as zero dollar fraud liability which means you'll never be held responsible for unauthorized purchases learn more at discover.com credit card limitations do apply all right kyle it's crunch time Detroit Lions have the ball for people just joining us. Detroit was up 24-7 to at the half. S- San Francisco, 20 unanswered points. And I already have to correct myself because they just went for it inside their own territory. Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they were out of field goal range. Like I I, I don't think that was a reasonable... Would have been a 48-yarder per to Sager, so I, I'm... Be lying if I said I'm super familiar with Detroit's kicker. Dan Campbell has been aggressive. He decides to go for it on fourth down. They do not get it. They give San Francisco the ball back up three, uh, seven minutes to go. Did you like the move to not kick the field goal there, Kyle?
5: Yeah, I think that's just Dan Campbell being being aggressive. I don't love it. Um, yeah. You got you to take three points. Uh, I mean, uh, the I goal in the NFL – to, to get to a makeable field goal is to get to the thirty yard line. They got right to the thirty yard line. Points are at a premium you you haven't scored yet in the second half and like i said it's it's hard at times when you feel like all the momentum's going against you. you finally put a good drive together. you do get to the thirty yard line ultimately you have a chance to tie the game and and you don't convert on a fourth down instead of taking the points and uh again like that missed fourth down almost feeds more into San Francisco's momentum uh giving them the opportunity to now take the ball and who knows uh i mean they they could quite possibly have the ball for the rest of the game uh it, it's not out of the question the way that they operate um if they couldn't hold on to this and and quite honestly put it away with a big 5 minute touchdown drive here uh so again i, I think you you have to take the points. Obviously, Dan has done it all year going for it on fourth down. It's something that, quite honestly, across the entire league all year that has just drove me absolutely crazy with some NFL head coaches oh. and their decisions not to just take three points. Uh, Mark and I have a running joke against the Los Angeles Chargers and Brandon Staley. And, Brandon Staley and, doesn't count. I mean, yeah, I like him going for it on fourth down all the time instead of just taking the three points. So... I just think it, – it, I, I get it. I understand the aggressiveness. Um, but I think you also have to have a feel for the game and the way things are going. You're outscored 20 to nothing in the second half. Might be a good opportunity for you to take three points and get this game tied back up. Uh, I think it just would, would ease things on their sideline a little bit. Instead, they're down three points. They got to get a stop on defense before it gets worse.
4: Does it drive you crazy when people go for 2 down 8? That's like the new analytics darling. Um thread.
5: no, like for instance uh last week in the in the Bucks Lions game, Tampa scored down 14, call it 5 or 6 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, maybe. And that's- you think oh, well, why would you just not kick the field goal? So then you score again, you kick the field goal. And the math actually works out that the odds are better to go for two twice because it's like f- over 50-something percent that you're going to convert the two-point conversion. And it's like if you get it the first time and, and then you set yourself up to go win the game with an extra point. So that one I'm okay with. Um, I am a firm believer in – waiting to go for two until you have to in terms of you know you're down eight points uh you know say you you either miss an extra point early in the game or just have a couple field goals I do believe that you you wait until either the second half maybe even the fourth quarter if possible to go for that two-point conversion uh oftentimes I feel like teams do it too early in games but you know, again with the PAT being back, you know, at the fifteen yard line and you know, you get the ball basically it's it's fourth and goal from the two yard line. Um, you know, there's that's pretty high probability of, of scoring.
4: Well, Kyle, you mentioned the two yard line. How about this? San Francisco getting the ball back, driving the field, Christian McCaffrey just rips off a huge run to get San Francisco to the two yard line. Um I, I think I probably undersold. That decision by Dan Campbell, because I will tell you this, we are going to be the first ones on air when this game goes final, and I have a feeling that if San Francisco wins, and right now it sure certainly looks like they're in great position to, that is going to be the conversation. Uh, Detroit was down three with whatever it you know, is, four minutes to go, five minutes to go, chooses not to go for a field goal. They go for it on fourth down and San Francisco has officially crossed the goal line they have scored Elijah Mitchell with a short touchdown run San Francisco up 34 to 24 Kyle extra point pending uh remember Detroit was up 24 to 7 at the half which means that San Francisco is now on a 27 nothing run here in the second half. I'll tell you what Kyle, we're going to come back, we're going to react to all of this. But there is so much trending right now. I didn't do a good enough job of explaining what happened with Dan Campbell there. So I'll toss it over to the expert Steve Desager to DeS- say, you know, Desager, I'll tell you this really quick. Mm-hmm. Desager and I were on air for that Dallas-Detroit debacle. And I bring it up to Sager because it became about the reporting, but how did the whole conversation start? Why did Dan Campbell keep going for it on uh, what, you know, why did he keep going for two, whatever, whatever. So so the point I'm trying to make is we were on air when that whole thing happened and the Dan Campbell overaggression cost them. Then it looks like it may cost them now.
6: And isn't that night the reason why this game is in San Francisco? Yeah, San sure. Francisco had the better conference record. They finished with the same record as these other two teams. Right. In conference. Mm-hmm. But that's why San Francisco got the first round by. Oh my. San Francisco up 34-24, 24 four. Three oh two left in the NFC championship game. You talked about Dan Campbell always not always, but often going for it, very aggressive on fourth downs. It's how they got it's how they got here. So I agree with you that I disagree with these two decisions not to kick the field goal sure. in the second half, one third quarter, one fourth. But this is how they got here. The uh in the regular season on fourth down conversions, they converted over half of them, 21 of 40. In the wild card game against the Rams, remember Detroit had a touchdown pass on fourth down at the two. They wound up winning the game by a point. The divisional, a touchdown on fourth and goal at the one. That was a one-score game. But Detroit was up 24-7 at the half in this one you asked about the field goal kicker it is michael badgley ex charger a guy who did make a 54 yarder indoors at home in that wildcard game and they're saying no to him twice but that's can't that can't be the only thing that we talk about if detroit loses this because that third quarter included not only the huge lead not downing a punt at the one, dropping a pass and turning it over on downs, fumble to start the very next possession that was enormous emotionally, not just field position. And let's not forget the long pass. Should have been, could have been an interception by Detroit. Hit the defender's face mask, and Brandon Ayuk dives and makes the long catch and then the fourth down that they can't convert, it was one thing after another. So we're under thir- three minutes to go in the fourth quarter. San Francisco up 34-24 to 24 in this game. And if you talk about playoff comebacks, it's a pretty short list of teams in a postseason game that have been up 17 or more at the break and didn't secure a win. We were on the air for one of these when the Chargers had a 27. Ah, Yeah, we sure were, baby. Speaking of Jaguars, a year ago. Uh, But how's about this from Associated Press? In NFL history, teams leading a playoff game by at least 17 at the half have a record of 107 and 6 all time. Detroit was up 24 7 at the half, have not scored since. This is the kind of disaster in the second half that. Will go for a generation or more with Detroit fans.
4: Well, and let, let me add this too: is I was thinking about this right before we went on air. Was right up, right at the half, and line up to kick a field goal before the half. I was wondering if they were going to go for it before the half, just to try to, you know, shove it in their face. So the lack of aggression, short field the, goal, yeah, yeah. Now the over aggression. I don't. I, we we we're gonna. No, you are right. This is a yeah.
6: seventeen play drive Detroit had before halftime, and they settled for about a twenty yard field goal. That's yes. why it was only twenty four seven at the half. And then Detroit's first drive of the second half, they went for it on fourth and two, would have been a forty six yard field goal attempt. They threw incomplete. Very next drive, fumble on the first play. This previous drive we talked about where they went for it on fourth and three instead of a 48-yard field goal attempt, and now they're down 10. Unbelievable turnaround. I'll save my stat for the last because I haven't mentioned Kansas City at all. Chiefs are awaiting in Vegas a couple weeks in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs beat top-seeded Baltimore to win the AFC 17-10. It was 17-7 at the half. Now this stat... 1957 in Lions history gets talked about a lot this past year or two because the Lions had only won one playoff game since the 1957 championship until this run. How did they get to the NFL's championship game in 1957? They had a playoff game at San Francisco, and on that day, the halftime score was 24-7 to Niners, this, yeah. and they blew that lead, and the Lions advanced Today, in San Francisco, same two franchises, it was San Francisco down 24-7 at the break and now leading late. Unbelievable. Two-minute warning, 34-24. Niners, Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Back to you.
4: Thank you very much, Steve DeSager. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday, Championship Sunday edition. Aaron Torres in for Mark Willer alongside Kyle Rudolph. Kyle. Uh can I can I go off on a on a little rant here? Can I can I get get angry for half a second? You don't mind, right? Would mark Please mind? Do. Okay. No, Mar- no. Mark's probably ha- you know, so many drinks in right now. He's he's booking his flights to Vegas. He doesn't care. It drives me freaking crazy. When people do not understand like the whole like analytics in a nutshell is like this is what you should do based on this Context matters with everything, and I know you just talked about it before we got to DeSager. but I just saw a tweet. I'm not trying to criticize this guy because I don't know him. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, lovely husband, father, whatever. Bill Barnwell, ESPN. It seems bizarre to spend all year lauding Dan Campbell for believing in his philosophy and his team for three years having those fourth down decisions pay off over and over again for Detroit and now insist that he should be kicking. Listen, I get that Detroit is here because Dan Campbell is an aggressive guy. We love it. We all love it. We know his team loves him. We know as a former player, I'm sure that you love the coach that believed in you to get that yard. Context has to matter. This isn't the third quarter against the Bears in week six. This is to go to the Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, it's exactly what you just said. And by the way, it's not like you're tied. Like, like it's, There's just so much context that matters here. As Detroit is driving. They did cross the 50-yard line. They're at about the 22-23, but they're trailing 10 now. It drives me crazy to think that, well, I mean, he's always been aggressive, so this may— blah, blah. No, the context matters. You were down three. It's a three-point game with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line. If you give the ball back, as you said, Kyle, you might not get it back. The context, the, 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 if this is who he is, this is who he has to be. People are so dumb and it bothers me so much. Anyway, rant over. I just like, I don't understand why people don't understand that context freaking matters in the situation like this.
5: I couldn't agree more. And it's something that Mark and I talk about all year long when the term analytics gets brought up and I've got two things on analytics from a former player's standpoint. Analytics don't take momentum into account. Thank you. Um, They never have. They never will. And the second thing, analytics are there to tell you what to do to score the most points. People say, oh, well, to score the most points, that means to win the game. No, it does not. Analytics tell you in this specific situation, what is the percentage to ultimately score the most points? Whereas, again, you go into different situational football and having situational awareness, scoring the most points at that given time might not be what it takes to win the football game. And when you're up 24 to 10 and it's fourth and two, three points puts you back up 17 again and probably about halfway through the third quarter analytics are going to tell you to go for it because if you go for it and you get the first down and you can get the touchdown, that's to score of the most points, not to stop the momentum where ultimately you turn the ball over on downs. They get the ball right back. They score again. Those three points there are huge. And it's like, Okay, if if we're going to applaud Dan Campbell's aggression and his nature to go for it, you brought up a great point. Why is he not going for fourth and two at the end of the half, going into Mm -hmm. halftime? If you're going to go for it on fourth and two, go for it on fourth and two there. Score the touchdown. Go up 27 to seven and be up 20 points instead of just the 17. But what do he do? He took the three because he knew how important those three points were. I would argue that the last two field goals that they passed on those three points were even more important than ultimately the four points they could have left on the board there in the first half.
4: Yeah. By the way, very interesting scenario. Now there's a minute to go. They do have all three timeouts. They're on the one yard line and it's fourth and goal. He better freaking kick the field goal here because I I, I, for people who Detroit is down ten. On the one yard line, uh, he must have taken a timeout, right? Did he take a timeout?
5: Okay, yeah, they so- said they they said he took a timeout, but I I, I don't understand grab- now because now you're now you're forced to kick it onside. It, it, he, he they needed to keep that timeout because again, then you could stop it three times and make them punt. Now they have to not only score here, but they have to get the onside kick. If if San Francisco recovers the onside kick, they can only stop the clock twice. Nice. It's it's. I don't know. I mean, well, and here's them... the other
4: thing, Kyle. He's not taking the points again. They're lining up to score a touchdown unless I'm missing something completely. No,
5: he's he's lining up here to to take the touchdown and I'm okay with this decision. Ultimately, you need a touchdown and a field goal. And you figure we're already down here on the 3-yard line. Let's try to get the seven now. But it's like, you know, those those timeouts were a premium and it's like ultimately, you know, now They'll kick it off with fifty-six seconds left, so they'll they'll bang the first timeout. Um, you know there will be probably, depending on how long the kickoff is, you know you get it down around fifty, and then you know you're you're looking at less than ten seconds when you get the ball back here because of that forty-second runoff they're going to be able to take because you use that timeout there. I mean it's yeah. it's not out of the question because they only need the three points, but. That timeout was huge. They they really needed to execute that two-minute drill and keep all three timeouts in their pocket because of the clock situation coming back out of this, this kickoff.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, Kyle. I hate to do this. We do have to get to a break. We'll come back. We'll react a minute to go. Detroit uh, is going to line up for the onside kick. We'll have coverage one way or the other. That's next, Fox Sports Radio.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: Welcome back, everyone. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
4: Everybody, Fox Sports Radio, Eric Torres, Kyle Rudolph, Bordop Lorena playing, I left my heart in San Francisco, there's a lot of Detroit Lions fans that have left their heart in San Francisco today, the clock has hit one, technically, but the game is over. The Detroit Lions were up 27, 24 to 7 at halftime they have lost the nfc championship game 34 to 31 is the final score the san francisco 49ers are going to the super bowl but well, kyle you know listen we got only a few minutes here but we're gonna spend most of hour three talking about this by the way kyle rudolph in alongside aaron torres mark willard uh is uh booking his trip to vegas as we speak here the San Francisco 49ers are officially your NFC champions. 34 to 31 is the final score. And Kyle, one of the cool things about doing live radio, we get to be the first to react to this. Dan Campbell trailed 27. Dan Campbell and the Lions trailed 27, 24. About six minutes to go in field goal range, he decides to go for it on fourth down. Obviously, if they were to have scored a touchdown. They would have taken the lead. Instead, they do not convert the the fourth down. San Francisco, up three points at that point, drives the length of the field. They go up by ten. Detroit scores a touchdown late. It is not enough. Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth down. You can't say it single-handedly cost the four, the, the Detroit Lions a trip to the Super Bowl. That's, we can't say that. But what we can question is, should he have taken a field goal, which would have tied the game about six minutes to go, rather than going for it on fourth down?
5: Yeah, and it's we'll hear about it for the next two weeks. You know, mm-hmm. his decisions on on both of those fourth downs to ultimately go for it. Uh, the first one, you know, Jared Goff does a great job moving around in the pocket. Uh, you know, ultimately, a tough catch from Josh Reynolds. He can't hold onto the ball. They turn it over on downs, and that was kind of the the start of a bad stretch of series for the Detroit Lions. Obviously, San Francisco came out. We talked about it. what do they have to do in the second half to get back in this game. It was go get points on the first drive. You get the ball coming out. You're down twenty four seven. Go get points, and you'll be right back in this game. So they go down, they get the points. I I know Dan Campbell's aggression and how successful they were going for it on fourth down throughout the course of the year ultimately got them in this situation, but we talked about it before. Analytics, aggression, all that kind of stuff – doesn't take momentum and the flow of the game into account. And I go back to the first one. They come out to start the second half. They go get three points. You've got a chance at a 46 yard field goal to score three points and go back up 17 and answer their opening drive of the second half. And okay, you don't get it there. Then you turn the football over. And it's like, now things are really going bad. They just scored back-to-back touchdowns. They've scored 17 unanswered points. You now have another opportunity. You get the ball to the 30-yard line. You can line up for a 48-yard field goal to tie the game and you go for it again. And, you know, I just, obviously you look at the score right now, they'd love to have those three points. But it's like I'm a firm believer. If you're going to be aggressive, it goes back to the the four points they left on the board before the first half. Go for it on fourth and two there, too. If you're going to go for it on fourth down, go for it every time. Don't just pick and choose when those three points are important. Great call. And I don't think that he did that in this game.
4: Yeah, I, and I think that I can't think of a great analogy, but it applies to anything, right? Like you can have a glass of wine with dinner, Without getting hammered and drinking the whole bottle like like there's limits to everything. I don't know if that analogy even made sense. But the point I'm trying to make is like there there's limits to everything. There's context to everything. And I just don't like I, you just can't sell me on. Well, he's aggressive. This is who he is. You have to deal with it. It's like, no, no, no. Context matters. Um, and uh, the Detroit Lions will be thinking about that one for a long time. People just joining us, San Francisco has won the NFC Championship game 34-31 to after trailing 24-7. Tell you what, Kyle, we'll come back another hour to dissect this NFC Championship game. Preview the Super Bowl. This is Fox Sports Radio.
3: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
4: Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. Aaron Torres in for Mark Willard alongside Kyle Rudolph, and we are broadcasting live from the tirerack.com studios. Tirerack.com will help you get there in unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tirerack.com, the way tire buying should be. For those of you who are just joining us, the Super Bowl is official. Kansas City wins the early game, 17-10. We didn't really get a chance to talk about that one very much, at least from the Baltimore perspective, Kyle. But we have to focus our attention right now on the final in San Francisco, Santa Clara, whatever. The San Francisco 49ers, which trailed 24-7 to at the half, put up 27 unanswered points to win the game, 34-31. to And let me just... For people just joining us, give me half a second, Kyle, to set it up. Uh, Detroit, listen, they were up, they were in control, and 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 really just things just start going all sorts of sideways for them. Give up a field goal early, then there's a touchdown off of a tipped pass, uh, basically a tipped pass, uh, pass interference falls into Brandon Ayuk's hands, sets up another touchdown. From there, a Jameer Gibbs fumble sets up another touchdown. That gives San Francisco, at that point, it would have been a 27-24 lead. Late in the game, we are at, let's see if I can find it really quickly, about six minutes or so to go. Uh, the Detroit Lions, they cross midfield, and with, uh, let's see here, it's about seven minutes to go, forgive me. They trail 27-24. They have a fourth and three at the San Francisco 30 which is what, a 46, 47-yard field goal or so. Dan Campbell chooses instead of kicking the field goal, which would have potentially tied the game. Instead, he goes for it on fourth down. The fourth down, is is the, the conversion does not happen. San Francisco drives the length of the field to go up 10. And then even when Detroit got the ball back, even when they got into the red zone on the verge of scoring, for some reason trailing two possessions with all three timeouts, they run a play up the middle on third down, are forced to burn a timeout. They do get the touchdown. They do not get the onside kick, and they lose 34-31. to The big story, Dan Campbell electing to go for it on fourth down with seven minutes to go, trailing three. A field goal would have tied it. We're obviously monitoring for Dan Campbell postgame sound, Kyle, but boy, oh boy, oh boy. One, you got to feel terrible for Detroit fans, but listen, this is the topic right now. It's what everybody's talking about. What is your reaction to Dan Campbell's decision to go for it on fourth down?
5: Aaron, do you, do you like to play cards? Do you play blackjack at all?
4: Ah, uh, I'm not good at it, but yeah, I play here and there.
5: So you know, like there's house rules, and like it kind of tells you like what the book tells you to yes, do. Yes, of and course. Certain, you know, what the dealer has, what you have that book is built off of percentages and in order to get, you know, like they they say that the odds at the casino are about 48%. Now I I like to play cards a little bit. Um, You know, it's, it's fun to sit there and you, you play by the book. You can win some, you can lose some for the most part. It's a great way to occupy a few hours, hanging out with some buddies at a blackjack table. As long as you play by the book, Ultimately you have about a forty eight percent chance of, you know, winning some money. You were asking for an analogy before and and you mentioned (laughs) like you know, drinking a glass of wine every once in a while as opposed to, you know, yeah, crushing a bottle on a Tuesday. Yeah, Yeah, when you gotta bring the kids to
4: school at seven AM, yeah.
5: So I have an even better analogy for you and I'm gonna compare it to blackjack. Okay. So when when you have 12 versus two. So you've got 12 the dealer showing to their sayings, and it's the same way. When when the dealer has a 10, you know, you have 16. Ultimately, you're not going to beat that 10. Um, So they tell you, like, oh, what does the book say? You know, do I stay? Do I hit? Ultimately, every dealer is going to tell you whatever you do, one way or the other. If you're staying, stay all night on that exact Mm -hmm. same situation. If you're going to hit it, if you're going to hit a 16 versus a 10 or a two, 12 versus a two, you got to hit it every single time it comes up because you won't screw up the percentages. If you hit it sometimes and stay sometimes, now you're completely playing with the percentage because now you're bringing two decisions into it instead of just one. So I'm going to give you some percentages here. Over the last 10 years in the NFL, 4th and 2 conversion rate, 57% in the NFL. 4th and 3, 47% in the NFL. So it's about a little over 50-50 for 4th and 2 and just under 50-50 for 4th and 3. So I say all of that to go back to Dan If you're going to be aggressive all year, and you're going to go for it on fourth and two and fourth and three, and you decide that in the second half on fourth and two, up 14 points, instead of taking the three and extending the lead to 17 again, you're going to go for it, I'm completely fine with it. If you're going to go for it on fourth and three, down three, because you're aggressive and there's a 47% chance you're going to go for it, that's great. I go back to the first half. It's fourth and three on the three-yard line. We just talked about the percentages. If you're going to do it, do it all the time. Odds are you will have converted one of those three fourth downs. If you added a third one in to the fourth and two and three, odds are you say you converted one of them. And what does that do? It either adds four points in the first half that you left on the board, or three points in the second half, ultimately they lose by three points, 34-31. So I bring up the blackjack analogy. Dan, if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive all the time. Go for it on fourth and three at the beginning of the first half. Don't decide at that point, oh, these three points are big. Like we need to get make sure we have these three points. Well, seven points would have been even bigger, and you never know how the game's going to play out. So if you're going to go for it and be aggressive in the second half, be aggressive all game.
4: Real quick, a couple things here. Uh, for, uh, thoughts on that. Um, I uh, So a couple things that stand out to me. One, so I obviously agree with everything that you said there. Um, two, by the way, you mentioned Brandon Staley earlier in the show. Th- that was when I was just out on Brandon Staley was year one. He's the analytics guy. We trust the numbers. We're going to live and die by the numbers. And then of course we had that Sunday night game, win and get into the playoffs, and the analytics just blew up in his face. And it was like then the next year he was like sort of the analytics guy, but he sort of wasn't the analytics guy, and he was a little bit more conservative. And I'm like, that was when I was out on Brandon Staley, because I'm like, if that's your philosophy, I don't have to like it, but at the same time, you gotta stick with it. And then obviously we saw from there he was a debacle for the last year and a half of his tenure. Um, as far as as your percentages and everything you're saying. So I obviously agree with everything. My point is, you know, you said I heard you say fourth and 47 percent of the time it converts. Where my concern is, and I, I agree with you one hundred percent. By the way, if 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 you are going to go for it on fourth and three with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line or a, a a chance to tie an NFC Championship game is probably the right way to put it. That's fine, but why did you kick the field goal in the first half? Why why didn't you Why didn't you go for it on fourth and three there? So that that that, that that's I agree with you on that. My thing is multifold, is one, I think there's a difference between analytics, uh, percentages, this and that, and just being overly aggressive. That's one. But two, I also think context matters. I say this all the time. Analytics tell part of the story. They are not the story. And as you said last hour, it was a great point by you. Analytics do not factor in momentum analytics do not factor in time, moment, home, road, weather, wind, whatever. It's just a blanket this or that. And so, you know, you said 47% of the time fourth and three converts. Well, I don't know if you I don't know if you can pull this number up off the top of your head. What is the percentage of converting on fourth and three, converting the fourth down when you're down 3 with a chance to go to the Super Bowl if you make the field goal? You know, and it's like and if you miss the field goal, you're giving the ball back with 7 minutes to go. Uh, And they can potentially run... By the way, that's the other thing nobody's talking about. We talked to lead this show, Kyle, about how the Detroit Lions were running the ball down San Francisco's throat in the first half. Well, guess who was running the ball right at Detroit in the second half? And so these are all of the things that matter. San Francisco, by the way, finishes with 155 yards rushing, almost 5 yards per carry. Most of it came in the second half. I just bring it up to say you cannot sit here and blanket say, well, he's aggressive. Well, the analytics. Well, this. Well, that. As you said, it was such a great point. Analytics don't account for momentum. They don't account for the moment in time. What happens, you know, is the team, uh, all of these things. San Francisco is running the ball well. They're at home. You're on the road. What is the, what is the old, uh, I, I just, uh, in it, by the way, it's not all Dan Campbell. I'm not saying it is. But at the end of the day, he was the one who made the decision. There's no guarantee that the field goal would have gone through. Whatever, I get it. I love it. It's great. The aggression, but you can't just sit there. And I'm not saying you are, but people are saying, "Well, the blanket." Well, he's aggressive all the time. This is who he is. You have to deal with it. It's like, I just don't buy that. There is a moment and time and a place for everything, and I just think this is not. Just kick the field goal. I don't know. I've rambled long enough. Just, just kick the field goals.
5: My-, well, yeah, my, my rebuttal to that, Aaron, would be like, not saying to your, a rebuttal to your comments, the rebuttal to the people, well, he's aggressive all the time. Well, no, clearly he wasn't because he kicked the field goal on fourth and three right before the half because in his mind, those three points and ultimately going up 24 to seven, going up 17 instead of 14 were important. So therefore, he wasn't aggressive and he took the safe play. So... I, again, I, I say all that to be like, look, if if we're gonna let, it, if we're gonna use the he's aggressive all the time as the the get out of jail free card here, well, then why wasn't he aggressive in the first half? Because again, I go back to those four points and how that may have changed the outcome of things down the stretch. So to the to the media, to the fans, to everyone who says, well, that's you know, go back to the the two point debacle in Dallas where. You know, ultimately they have the issue with Brad Allen. He completely screws it up. It's 100% his fault. But at the end of the day, he should have kicked the extra point to tie the game when they had to go and it wasn't fourth and goal from the 2 anymore. It's fourth and goal from the 7. Move the extra point from the 15 to the 20, kick the extra point and try to force overtime. So there's a point where his he's aggressive all the time becomes stubborn. And it's ultimately, you know, he makes up his mind that he wants to do something. And I feel like that happened a little bit in the second half when all of a sudden it became, I feel the momentum slipping. We need to get things turned around. Instead of taking the three points back, going back up 17 in the third quarter with a 46-yard field goal, and then ultimately in the fourth quarter, tying it up 34-34, he wanted to be aggressive as can be, maybe a little bit stubborn. We're going to keep going here we're going to take the lead now, or we're going to extend the lead even further than just seventeen points. so again i I could not agree more it's the It's my rebuttal to analytics all the time that they're they don't take momentum into account it's not a moment in time during the course of a game. And it ultimately is telling you how to score the most points. And who knows if, if they kick that field goal there and go from 24 to 10 to 27 to 10, you know, 31 points might've been enough for them to win this game. Analytics would have said that, you know, they ultimately needed to go for it there to score more than 31 points. But if you get that three points, you're up 17 instead you're not giving the ball right back to them to go score seven points. You're kicking it off. Your defense is like, hey, you know, yeah, we gave up a field goal drive there. Let's get back into it. They're regrouping. Instead, you're reeling at the end of the game, and ultimately you give up 17 points in the third quarter. So, um, again, I'm I'm always, always out on straight analytical decisions. I think that situational football, momentum, so much more has to be factored into decisions that a head coach makes uh, in in big games in the NFL.
4: Kyle Rudolph, I'll tell you what, normally we would go to break, but how about this? For the second time in two weeks, my buddy Trent Williams is joining Fox Sports Radio. Trent Williams joined me after the Green Bay Packers game last Saturday. Right. Trent, Trent Williams, you're out with Eric Torres and a colleague of yours, Kyle Rudolph, you're on Fox Sports Radio. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. First of all, I asked you this last week after Green Bay. I'll ask you again. Take us into that locker room. What is it like right now for those of us who have never gone to a Super Bowl?
7: Honestly, we ain't even made it to the locker room yet. So
4: <laughs> Have you had your first sip of champagne though? That's the important part. Trent, can you hear us?
7: Yeah, I can hear you. I
4: said, We lost you for a second. Have you had your first sip you of champagne yet? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Have you had your first sip of champagne yet?
7: I haven't. I said, I'm trying to. I think they're having a hard time hearing you. Everybody's on the phone.
4: Trent. All right. Trent, Trent, Trent Williams is joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Take us. Take, oh, my God. Bro. Can you hear us, Trent? Can you hear us? Trent, take us into halftime. What did Kyle Shanahan? You trailed twenty-four to seven at the break. What did Kyle Shanahan tell you guys?
7: Uh he just said, man, we, we just had to make plays. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you're down seventeen. What what else is there to do? There ain't no point.
4: We have officially lost Trent Williams. Champagne has gotten on the cell phone. We had to let we had to let Trent Williams go. So I actually – so I was very lucky. I was I was hosting on Saturday night last week when they beat Green Bay. Uh, we talked to Trent for like 20 – not maybe not 20, like 10 minutes. He was awesome. So I'm a little bit bummed, but obviously it sounds like they're walking through the tunnels out there at Levi's Stadium, uh, and so it appears as though we, we, we lost Trent. What is the craziest locker room you've ever been in, Kyle?
5: Uh, For me, it would have had to have been after the divisional round uh, – 2018 playoffs, the Minneapolis miracle, um, you know, digs his touchdown to, to beat new Orleans.
4: Was that, you like that part too?
5: No, no. Uh, so case Keenum that's right, was that's the right, quarterback. Right. Okay. Um, so gotcha. Kirk, Kirk beat new Orleans. Kirk hit me on a fade route in overtime. We beat new Orleans in new Orleans. That's right. Um, but the that locker room was, was cool. Um, I tell people, like, that locker room experience for me was one of my favorite moments in football, and it wasn't because I was the one that got to catch the game-winning touchdown. It was more so we were on the road um, in New Orleans, you know, the Superdome, Everyone had kind of picked New Orleans to come out of the NFC that year in the Super Bowl. Um, it was supposed to be the year that they, you know, finally got over the hump and you know out of the NFC playoffs into the Super Bowl. And you know, really, no one gave us a chance going going down there in the wild card round. And yet, every single person in our building, uh, players, coaches, staff, they bought into. Look, we we belong. We can control our own destiny. If we go down there and do what we're supposed to do, it will be good enough. And we'll come back here with a win. Uh, And, you know, kind of the attention to detail that everyone put into that game, knowing it's probably going to be the loudest football game you've ever played in. You're not going to be able to hear anything. Um, You're going to have to play almost perfect football to, to beat a really good new Orleans team. And, you know, ultimately that's what happened. You know, we went down there, we played almost perfect football for 60 minutes. We went to overtime by the luck of the coin toss. We got the ball first. We went right down the field. Kirk hit Adam on a huge play to get the ball inside the five yard line. Uh, then ultimately, you know, I, I caught a fade on, on third and goal to to end the game in a walk-off. And so that, that locker room experience was cool um, because of those reasons, But the Minneapolis miracle where, you know, we were the two seed. It was a home playoff game for us in the divisional round. We were coming off the bye. We were up 16 to nothing at halftime. Um, You know, ultimately everyone in the locker room at halftime was like, look, you know, that's Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints over there. Like 16 points is not enough. Like we have to keep going. We have to play well in the second half. This is far from over. And honestly, we kind of did what Detroit did. We let them get back in the game in the third quarter. And then we were back and forth in the fourth. They ultimately kicked a field goal with, I think there was 26 seconds left. Um, All we needed was a field goal to win. But obviously the game ended with the Minneapolis miracle and and Diggs catching the ball on the sideline, staying inbounds and and running for the touchdown. So that was more kind of like – there's no way that just happened. Um, you know, we're now one game away from the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl's in Minneapolis. We could be the first team to play in our own Super Bowl. So that locker room was for sure the craziest that I'd ever been in. Um, you know, it's a shame we didn't get to talk to Trent. I, I was really excited to hear kind of the, the message at halftime, the mentality of the guys, you know, him, George Kittle, Fred Warner, you know, kind of what they were saying throughout the course of halftime and to start the third quarter. You know, as a leader of that team, as a leader of the offense, um, you know, well, what are you telling telling the guys? You know, what what how are you rallying? Obviously, he start, he alluded to it a little bit that Kyle said, you know, look, we're down seventeen points, we just got to go make plays. And you know, quite honestly, that's that's the message that I would expect. Um, they didn't have to do anything extra special to come back from being down 17 points. Um, you know, if, if they just go out and do what they do, it was going to be enough. Um, certainly they got a little help from Detroit with the couple turnover on downs and the fumble, but that's going to happen. You know, if you put pressure on a team, uh, I, I, think they showed a stat on Fox, during the game of championship game experience, and the Lions had seven games of championship experience to, I think, 73 games for the 49ers. The Niners have been there. The moment was not too big for them. They knew exactly what they were signing up for. They stayed calm, uh, and ultimately they had one of the best second-half comebacks in in playoff history.
4: Well, I'll tell you, first of all, it was a great story. A little bit bummed that we did not get to talk to Trent Williams, but here's the good news. We get the next best thing. Mark Willard will join us here on the other side. He will give us the San Francisco perspective on an unbelievable victory for everybody just joining us. The San Francisco 49ers are headed to the Super Bowl after a 34-31 victory over the Lions. Mark Willard joins us next.
3: Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. is uncanny usa
5: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
3: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
4: sports radio aaron torres in for mark willard alongside kyle rudolph mark willard will join us momentarily but i'll tell you what uh, why don't we go over to the news desk to Sager, get America caught up on everything they missed on this wild championship Sunday.
6: NFC champions, San Francisco, despite trailing at home at halftime 24-7. They dominate the third against Detroit, turn things around, and beat the Lions 34-31. Here was near the end of the Lions broadcast. Would you look
1: at that second half for the Lions? Drops, yes. missed interceptions, fumbled by Jameer Gibbs. A couple of questionable decisions on fourth down. Missed Where tackles. Where you could have gone for three points, missed tackles. Everything that went right in the first half went wrong in the second half. There's the snap. Purdy, couple steps back. That's your ball game. San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. And the Lions are going to go back home, one disappointed football team.
6: That's 97.1, the ticket. Lions Radio Network. It is a final of 34-31 for the home team. Coach Dan Campbell of Detroit asked about his fourth down decision making, said, I don't regret those. I understand the scrutiny I will get. That's part of the gig. Detroit remains the only NFL team that's played every season of the Super Bowl era and never reached the Super Bowl. The Browns have never been to a Super Bowl, but remember, Cleveland for a little while didn't have an NFL team. But with a huge lead on the road, and as well as things were going, it's stunning how things turned around. The first opting to go for it instead of a field goal attempt on fourth down was inside the Niners' 30. On a fourth and two, Josh Reynolds couldn't hold on to the pass. Incomplete, turnover on downs. And let's not forget, after that, when San Francisco had the ball, the potential interception on the long pass. Kendall Vildor of the Lions had the pass, hit him in the face mask. The ball pops up, and Brandon Ayuk dives for it. A spectacular 51 yard gain. Three plays later, he scores. Next play from scrimmage for Detroit is a fumble by Jameer Gibbs. San Francisco turns that into a touchdown, and it kept going after that. That was only a tie at the time. Josh Reynolds dropped another pass on a third down. It forced a punt. Detroit couldn't down it at the one. Eventually 34-31. San Francisco gets the win. So who's the opponent come Super Bowl time in a couple weeks? It's the team they faced in the Super Bowl four years ago. Kansas City is AFC champion. The Chiefs won at top-seeded Baltimore 17-10. to It was 17-7 at the half. Chiefs scored touchdowns on their first two possessions. It'll get talked about since this is a Super Bowl rematch from a few years ago. The Chiefs won that one 31-20, but don't let the score fool you. KC got three straight touchdowns in the last six and a half minutes to take that game. There are some players still remaining from those two rosters. But Tyreek Hill was the 100 yard receiver for Kansas City that day, and Jimmy Garoppolo was San Francisco's quarterback. He had one touchdown, two interceptions. In college basketball, wins for number one Connecticut and number two Purdue. UAB beat 19th ranked Memphis 97 88. In the NBA, Orlando beat Phoenix 113 98, despite Devin Booker of the Suns with 44 points in the game. Kevin Durant had seven turnovers. Kyle Shanahan, as a head coach, is undefeated at home still in the postseason, now 6-0. and This was San Francisco's third straight NFC title game appearance, fourth in the last five years. Of course, Kansas City's getting used to Super Bowl appearances. Can't wait for two weeks from now in Vegas. Back to you.
4: Thank you very much, Steve DeSager. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Sunday. Aaron Torres in for Mark Willard alongside Kyle Rudolph. And I believe... The man with his name on this show is joining us now, Mark Willard. Mark, let me let me can I can I just ask you a question? I don't know if you're a religious man, but are you going to be praying to, to? Is the higher being? Uh, are you going to be praying to him, or are you going to be praying? Or are you going to be thanking God about Dan Campbell today? That was a uh, wild final minute. Go ahead. I'm sorry, the floor is yours.
7: No, I'm praying to you. I'm praying to you. You can have the show. You can have it. It works. Whatever, whatever works. Uh, We have to stay superstitious and and, and just go with it, right? Like, um, thank you for being there tonight. And I have no problem being outed right now that I'm not sick. I'm not otherwise engaged. I I, I simply needed to sit back and focus on this thing. And and more so than I even realized, uh, because those were uh, two of the least enjoyable playoff wins I've ever seen because it felt like they were going to lose. The entire time, but here we are. So that's that's what I just said to Ryan when he when he called and said, "Hop on with the guys." He's like, "How you feeling?" I'm like, I, "My favorite team's going to the Super Bowl, but I don't even know if we're any good." Like that's what it feels like. It's like it couldn't do anything right in the first half of these football games. An unbelievable situation.
4: First, so first reaction to the fourth quarter. First of all, what were you thinking at halftime when twenty four seven nothing's going right? Uh, what, what are you thinking at halftime before, obviously, the second half? I'm
7: thinking, I'm thinking that Steve Wilkes is going to have a hard time keeping his job. Mm. That, that, that's honestly what was going through my head because, uh, and that's not to say that everything is on him or, or, or any of that, um, but the defensive coordinator of the 49ers is in a situation where it's been a revolving door from Robert Sala to D'Amico Ryan, and then you get to this situation where everybody is incredibly high-priced and has really big names, and, and I just know that's the way it works in professional sports, where when you have what feels like every resource possible, and you can't stop the run, you can't stop the pass, you can't do anything. It's just like like everything is wide open spaces on every single play. Um, I thought it was going to be a hell of a long offseason for, uh, for Steve Wilkes, But then uh, the turnaround... Uh, Which I do think the Lions helped at a certain point. Kyle, you got to tell me because Aaron, Kyle, and I have been talking about this all year (laughs) long—the disease of going for a field goal in the NFL. Kyle, you got to tell me what you think about what Dan Campbell did on those fourth downs.
5: Yeah, Mark, we were talking about it, and it's funny. Aaron actually brought up one of the points that I've made. Every time we talk about analytics and going for it on fourth down and, you know, the fact that like momentum doesn't play into that kind of stuff. And I actually I made the point that, look, if if you're going to be aggressive and you're going to do it and go for fourth down like you did in the second half. Why are you not going for fourth and three right before the half? You, yep. you you played it smart, and you took the three points right before the half, and then ultimately you decided to go for it and pass up a 46-yard field goal and a 48-yard field goal. So we definitely spent a segment or two talking about those decisions and – um you know, Aaron compared it to drinking a bottle of wine as opposed to drinking a glass of wine here and there. I compared it to blackjack odds. Um, so his we, analogy we def- was
4: better than mine for the record.
5: We definitely had our, our fair share of analogies and comparisons and yeah, it's, it's certainly one that's going to be talked about. Obviously he owned it. He said, look, those are decisions that I made. It's part of the job. You know, i ultimately, he felt like that's what gave his team the the best chance to win the game. But, um, you know, we kind of went through both of those situations and um, what the flow of the game was at that time, the momentum of San Francisco coming out right before or right out of the half, doing exactly what they had to do. You know, we hopped on air just before halftime. And you know, we we joked around like you know, good thing Mark's not on air with us right now because he probably would be losing his mind the way you know the Niners played on offense and defense in the first half. Uh, they, like you said, they couldn't stop anything on defense. Brock Purdy was throwing up meatballs. Uh, it looked like some of the uh, the the Cleveland game there where it was just you know up for grabs. He was they were getting pressure on him, and ultimately. And Aaron asked me, what, what do they have to do to get back in this game? And I said, just do what they do well. Run the football, hit the play action, get Debo involved. And sure enough, it was like boom, boom, boom. They go right down the field. They get three points. And it's like, okay, here they go. They're getting in their groove. And then Detroit plays perfectly right in their hand. Instead yep. of kicking the three-point, kicking the field goal and then making it a 17-point game again, they go for it. Reynolds has the drop. I understand it was a tough catch, you know, kind of on his side in short distance. Can't, comp- can't complete the fourth down. And then it was the turnover, the, the turnover on downs, down three points. And I was worried they weren't going to get the ball back at all. But quite honestly, San Francisco scored too quickly. So they gave him the ball with a little time left some some clock mismanagement late in the game. You can't run the ball on third down and get tackled short and have to use a timeout because if you don't have all three timeouts, again, San Francisco can run the clock out. They didn't even have a chance to get the ball back. So uh, all in all, yep, did Detroit do some things to, to help San Francisco out? They did, but ultimately uh, we, we had Trent Williams pop on here, and I was curious to hear his reaction because when I got asked – what I thought the message was at halftime, it was what he started to say. Like, look, we just need to go make plays. We're down 17 points. It's okay. Go out, do what we do, and ultimately we'll be okay. And that's what the Niners did. So you've got to give them credit. That's an experienced football team that's been in a lot of those situations. Um, you know, they know big games. And they didn't flinch. Uh, You've got to give them credit. Uh, obviously, as a fan, I'm sure you would like them to start playing like that at the beginning of the first quarter and not waiting until the third quarter. But ultimately, they're going to the Super Bowl.
7: Yeah, I have, I have no idea what to expect in two weeks. I really don't. You know, like I thought I knew the Chiefs. They look like a much better version of themselves all of a sudden. Mahomes is back. Their defense is better than it's ever been. And the 49ers are as wobbly as possible dynamic followed by terrible and vice versa. So I have no idea what to expect, but, but you're right. And, 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 guys, that's what I think ended up happening in this game. Is sometimes as media members we overplay the whole, like, oh, this team's got experience, and that team doesn't. But I really thought that that mattered in, in, in this matchup in the end because the 49ers were able to stay calm down by 17 points, and as soon as the ball started flying the other way, I saw the lions start gagging in every direction, drop passes and fumbles and poor play calls and just it just everything got jittery really quick and, and uh once the snowball was rolling they couldn't stop it.
4: Willard, unfortunately, man, we are up against it. Go yeah, enjoy ma'am. go enjoy this evening. Uh you know, I'll be in the bullpen uh, two weeks from now. I don't know what, if I should be uh, ready for the phone call or not, but, man, enjoy this. You know, listen, we asked Trent Williams if he had had his first glass of champagne yet, and then the phone got cut off, so I don't know what that means. Go go, go pop that bottle of champagne and go crazy, man. Enjoy yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we'll be listening to you next week, man. Thank you for everything, Mark. Yeah,
7: yeah. Guys, thanks for holding it down, and uh, it's great to hear your voice. And, Kyle, I can't wait to get back in there with you
5: next Sunday. Sounds good, Mark. Enjoy it. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks, boys.
4: That is the host of this show, Mark Willard in San Francisco, reacting to the 49ers advancing to another Super Bowl 34-31 win over the lions We'll come back. Final thoughts and maybe an early look at the Super Bowl. That's next, Fox Sports Radio.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
1: Call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC
5: Radio
3: 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
6: is going on a road
5: trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This
3: is Uncanny USA.
5: He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. (laughs)
3: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
4: Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres filling in for Mark Willard alongside Kyle Rudolph. We are taking you up to the top of the hour. Ten minutes from now, Chris Plank and Arnie Spanier with much more reaction to the two conference championship games and the super bowl that we have coming two weeks from today kansas city beats baltimore 17 10 in the early game the late afternoon nfc championship game goes to the san francisco 49ers still cannot believe they won that game they were up uh, they win 34 to 31 after trailing 24 to 7 at the half kyle listen You know, everybody on these airwaves over the next, you know, day two, three is going to have plenty of reaction to everything we saw today. But we only have a few minutes left. I want to ask you first thoughts on a a Super Bowl that, as Sager just said, two teams that are pseudo familiar with each other. You go back about three, four years. It was January 2020 when they played in the Super Bowl. George Kittle was there. uh, You know, Bosa was there. Patrick Mahomes was there. Travis Kelsey. First reaction to this Super Bowl. Uh, that we are going to get here two weeks from now?
5: I I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, I I think, you know, Mark is is a little worried with how Kansas City's playing and how San Francisco has started the games the last couple weeks. But uh, when I think back to that Super Bowl in 2020, um, you know, kind of how they matched up, you know, certainly the teams are not the same and there's – a few huge pieces that aren't on either team anymore and different players. But I just, I think of style and the the style of football that San Francisco wants to play this identity of Kansas city now and the defense that they have and how they've won games the last two weeks. Uh, we talked about holding Baltimore to three points and, and limiting Buffalo to the, the lack of production they had in the second half last week. It's a great opportunity for them to come in and and show that they're one of the best defenses in football against a a really high-powered offense in the 49ers. So I think it's going to be a, a, a great Super Bowl. Looking forward to the matchup. I think we can all say one thing about this Super Bowl in hopes that we don't have what followed that Super Bowl in twenty twenty. Uh that was about the the end of normal um normality as we know it. Uh I remember being in Miami for that game and there was like whispers of this you know, at the time, like, coronavirus, and I thought of corona as the beer. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't really drink corona, so it's not that big of a deal. Like, we knew nothing about it at that time. Um, so it's like, let's just hope that history doesn't repeat itself there and, and we have a, a global pandemic following this great matchup that we get to see in two weeks.
4: It's uh, – I don't know if the word's – right word isn't funny, but that is how I remembered that date because I had a a, a female friend who was there at that game the 49ers and the uh Kansas City Chiefs and I remember seeing pictures on Instagram and social media and and I was like oh this is so cool and then like see the same pictures on on Instagram and social media like two weeks later and you're like oh wow that that was a different world that we were living in that mm-hmm. was uh, a month ago so yeah Kansas City and, and San Francisco are in the Super Bowl do you want to give a pick or you have, have you yeah oh, uh, I mean you're ready I'll-
5: yeah, I, I, I like San Francisco. They've been really? my my pick all year. I've said when they're healthy and they're at their best, they're they're the best team in the NFL and uh they'll get a week off this week, an opportunity for, for Debo to get completely healthy, a week for Christian to rest. Um it's been a long season. You know, we talked about it earlier at the top of the show. All the things that you go through to get to this point. Uh, so i'm i 'm going to take the 49ers. Uh, I think this is the year they finally get over the hump. They had the Chiefs in that Super Bowl in two thousand twenty with the eleven point lead in the second half, and I think this time Kyle Shanahan finally gets the job done um, and I have one I wanted to ask Mark one other question before he jumped off. Will Steve Wilkes cover Travis Kelsey like will he put <laughs> someone on Travis to make sure Travis does not beat them uh, that is as someone who will pick the San Francisco 49ers, I hope to see that happen.
4: Well, what he's got to do is listen to hour two of this show because you broke it down really well how open Travis Kelsey was getting and why that happened. But we got to go. want to thank the crew, Lorraine on the board, producer, Burr, Steve DeSager, Kyle, man, this was really fun. Uh, you know, I if Mark wants to watch the Super Bowl with you, I want him to. But, you know, if not, hopefully uh, I get the call again. But I appreciate your time. Arnie Spanier, Chris Planker up next, Fox
1: Sports Radio.